going on top. Be there! Scour the spaceways! Explore vast alien worlds! The tin right here contains the whole rigmarole. I used to smoke about an ounce of hash every day. Good. And it made me go a little bonkers. Baby, if I occupy his mind with more duties, I can control his space. Hi. Big fat Hi. doobies. Hi. Hi. Oh, hi. What's up, everybody? Today is Monday, August 15th, 2016. It's episode 185 of the Hotbox. My name is Matt Lee. Hotboxpodcast.com. Check it out. Join me today. We got Tyler Hurst. You might find his writings on the internet. You might find him in a shop in uh, Oregon somewhere. Uh, who am I to say? We'll let him say. Tyler, how you doing, man? Hey, Matt. How you doing? Uh, I am yeah, living here in Portland, Oregon, in the land of legal cannabis, and I have... Um, I have taken every opportunity to enjoy that uh, while I'm while I'm still here and around and have access to all of it. Uh, it has been fantastic. Um, yeah, I write online about cannabis a lot. I do a lot of other stuff. Um, what got you? Like you were born and raised in Oregon, or did you? No, I was I was actually born in Yakima, Washington, which is about three hours uh, north-ish of here east of here and i grew up in kent washington which is just south of seattle and i lived there until i was 20 or 23 and then i moved to arizona for nine years and then i came back to portland um so i've been i i guess i'm pacific northwest native but not definitely not native to to portland and uh, boy has that been an experience being a transplant in uh in portland um but anyway the cannabis has been fantastic I've, I've heard some rumblings about like the locals and then the locals that aren't quite local and they're yeah. like, they're yeah. friendly, but not really kind of no. like friendly a thing, but it's like, hey, we're all here to just like partake in this legal industry that you have and uh, to just not be criminals because of this plant. Like I moved here from Montana uh, to work in a, a medical lab in Washington and then promptly got laid off once medical and. Yeah, but ouch. It was uh, it was cool. Like it's cool to see an industry provide vacation and health insurance and all things that having a, a job for the last seven years in Montana never provided me. So it, it definitely it's cool to see and how many people it can support. Like there's mm-hmm. so much money in there, and not to make it sound like the bubble that it is becoming, as you might know from going to some of these conferences. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's definitely something to see. We're like living in this historic time. It's it's ep- it's been it's been interesting, especially jumping between two states because I had a Washington State medical card when I first moved back up here um, in 2012 because I understood the Washington State program a little bit better, and I just grabbed an, my you know grabbed an ad driver I grabbed a driver's license from my parents' old address. Um, but the Oregon the Oregon one the Portland one is so much more established and not better. Oh, I guess it's not really better regulated, but it's, they didn't kill it uh, yet. And it has been um, so much more enlightening and so much more um, helpful than I expected it to be. Now, this is also a product of um, most of the Southwest or sorry, all the Southwest Washington medical dispensaries were delivery only, uh, I believe. Um, And I don't know how those laws eventually changed. So I didn't have access to dispensaries until until Portland, and it's been a, just a, uh, a vastly different experience and a fantastic one. Did I mean, a lot of what I heard is that, you know, Oregon did it right as far as not 
leaving their medical patients out to dry kind of in the way that Washington did in more of a, it almost seemed rushed to be like, all right, July 1st, you know, you guys are, are done. You can go to the rec store like everyone else. Um, now we're actually seeing rec stores being able to fill out a form and then have their patients that are actual card holders uh, fill out a form mm-hmm. and they are able to get like tax breaks or something. I, I have the paperwork here somewhere, but they, they get uh, a, a tax break as far as how much they have to pay uh, on the cannabis, which is helpful. But And I think that's that's sort of what it looks like Oregon's going to kind of move to. I don't know because they keep on changing the laws daily, weekly, monthly. Um, right now, all the medical dispensaries are eligible to, dis- to apply to be a rec dispensary, but there's no uh, real cl- clear rules on if med can sell rec and then taxed on it or if rec can sell med and then not be taxed. I don't know and knows. Um, and a lot of times the training in retailer positions uh, is different for a med, med focus versus a rec focused because right. uh, you want it for different reasons. It's not saying that one's legitimate and one isn't. You just want it for different reasons. Yeah. And why can't you just go to uh, one spot and get both like uh, Oregon did? That That's I, a good uh, way to at least make the transition rather than. Can you buy, can you buy alcohol in a drugstore? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or, I don't know about here. I Mon- think I, I know we could in Arizona. I know we could in Arizona. I'm not sure if we can here, but it's the same. It's no, no different at all. Um, actually, it's much better for you than buying alcohol in a, in a drugstore, that's for sure. I actually had the the chance uh, yesterday to experience something rather amazing. And I, being in Washington, we're not allowed to have. Uh, Please say you're talking about the growers' fair. Please tell me you're talking about the growers' fair. After the growers' fair, the growers' fair was pretty amazing. That was the first time. Uh, what what we're talking about is in uh, Salem, Oregon. They had the Oregon Growers' Fair, and this was the very first time that live plants. It, it they were displayed. It reminded me of like 4-H club in Montana. Like you have the the people, and then here's the cow that they raised, or here's the tomato plant. You know, something like that. But it was cannabis, and then the, they were judged on it. And there was your sativa, your hybrid, and your indica, and they gave out places just ribbons and everything so it was a real thing cool to see but after that the i was invited to uh it's like a club i guess kind of like what you guys have in portland but you pay like five bucks at the door it's an old church uh Mm -hmm. that renovated and now it's like this wonderland i kind of want to go live in and like just be a dab tender or something well i want to go now where is this in salem it's uh, P P B PB something. <laughs> PB and H something. I, I will tell you after the show. I haven't we'll figured it out. All right. Cool. But it was, it was like a bar experience, but for cannabis. And it was so amazing to see the difference in attitude and how people were interacting with each other. Like it was, it's hippie dippy to say, but man, it was all love. And like mm-hmm. at bars, it's kind of the opposite. It's all love for about five minutes. And then, you know, <laughs> Oh, at bars, at bars, everyone really sort of congregates into their own little cliques, which is fine around tables and they, and they don't really share drinks or whatever, but especially in cannabis clubs, the biggest thing is you're not, obviously you're not sharing a drink, but you're sharing dabs. You're sharing all the stuff that you brought or you bought or someone else brought. And it's really cool. Yeah, it, it was, it was amazing to see, especially coming from a place like Montana where it is bars and casinos and fights and just drama and this was like the most peaceful chill spot like i didn't want to leave but we had was that the first time you've been to a cannabis club like that was yeah 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 because my because my first was uh was the world famous cannabis cafe before it shut down here 
And I remember we, we, I was sitting right next to Foster Road and I can hear cars going by and the door was open and I was smoking a joint and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get arrested for this. But uh, I didn't. And it was just this weird feeling of we weren't hiding for the first time ever. Uh, yeah. And it, was, it felt strange. It was cool though. A little bit, I think, to get over that. And once we do though, it's going to be like, people will be so much more relaxed just in general and like a, a better quality of life because you have, these offerings now that you before. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's also, it can help people in ways that they don't understand they're broken either. Um, uh, as someone like me, who's been using cannabis, uh, I, I post a picture today of, I figured out um, when I first started using cannabis every day, not, not just using it like at friends' houses or on my own or on the weekends or just at night or, you know, whatever. When I started using it daily, uh, it was at night at first was um, in 2010, in March, um, I met a, I met a guy who, you know, had some extra and I started buying from him and the weight difference and just the, and so, so I've had it every day and I've basically increased my consumption slightly every day since then. I don't, um, I mean, I'm just not smoking an ounce a day or anything like that, but now I also use uh, concentrates and extracts and, and coconut oil or infused coconut oil and CO2 vape cartridges as well as flour. And the picture between that day, which is March 23rd, 2010, and today, uh, it is 60 pounds difference. It's like two um, different people, for real. Two different people, yeah. And you're, you're like the third or fourth person that I've seen make that transformation. And it's mm-hmm. really cool every time because they're yeah. so much happier and more alive. And yeah, it's it's... Epic, yeah, so. it's been a it's been a fantastic, crazy, diff, uh, weird thing. I mean, I figured out earlier this year that uh, I actually have PTSD, which is what I was using cannabis to treat. So I was, I mean, absolutely self medicating. Um, but you didn't know why at the time. I had no idea why, no clue. I figured this out in May. I was diagnosed. With, I was diagnosed with PTSD in May, and I had already started losing weight a lot because cannabis was reducing my stress. Um, and what I noticed is once my stress got down a little bit, I understood things better and I was able to make connections between things that I had either gotten really upset about in the past or felt a certain way. And now I felt a certain way too. And that's when I started, when, my counselor and I started bringing up PTSD. And when yeah. people stress, like their cortisone levels go, <clears throat> and that's just not mm-hmm. healthy in general. And no. it causes things like you're saying, you know, uh, memory focus problems and just, yeah you know, overeating or a slower metabolism, like stress, it's a weird thing. You know, it's like a, a psychological thing, but it has massive physiological effects. Like, well, I, if you t- talk about, um, you know, you watch the matrix and they said, you know, your, your mind makes it real. And I always thought that was kind of a joke, but I actually have, um, uh, a psoriasis type thing on both my palm, uh, my hands and my inner, um, arch of my feet. And that only goes away when I'm de-stressed. So I absolutely know that my mind is causing that. It's not rubbing anything. It's completely a stress-based reaction um, to issues that are in my life or whatnot. It manifests in a very yep. real physical. Mm-hmm. So I, mean, I, I mentioned at the beginning that we met at the terpene dinner. There was a oh terpene oh, dinner so good. in Oregon. And it was it was amazing. It was great. People, the food looked amazing. I'm, I'm kind of the opposite of a vegetarian, so I didn't really eat much. Uh, the cannabis was amazing. And, uh, yeah, you just seem like a cool kid. So we started chatting. Um, 
you should for like the audience and even for my own sake, like give us a little background on your writing and stuff like where, how you got started in that. And you mentioned the PTSD and I I know some people don't like to talk about that that much, but you know, whatever you want to mention as far as how that manifested or what caused it. Definitely. Uh, Uh, Let's start with the, the, the dinner we met at uh, North Fork 53, which was the Midsummer Night's uh, Dream or something like that. I think last time they did that. Um, they had Geek Farms was the flower. And I, I'm, an, I'm a carnivore and I eat everything. So I had everything that day. I think I had all of Matt's stuff too that he didn't want. And uh, it was my birthday, actually. I turned 37 that day. And it was, night, it was uh, just to add some, some milestones, it was nine days off of Lexapro. It's the first time, oh, I haven't taken a psych med since the year 2000. And that's going to start my journey. Okay, so. Uh, I grew up a normal kid. I grew up in Kent. I went, and then I went away to college. Uh, first night in college, I had a bad experience uh, with my fraternity that I hate and wanted to, anyway, it was terrible. It, uh, it was accused of rape uh, by the student body president, the most popular student body president in the history of the college in front of 55 guys that I had just met the day before. And I hadn't done it, unfortunately, unfortunately for me. I hadn't actually raped anyone, uh, but he didn't know that. And so neither did everyone else. So sort of like what he said was true, even though it wasn't true. Um, and then three weeks later, I got accused of another crime that I hadn't committed based on another person's testimony. And then I got in a car accident um, three months later after that. And so there's a series of things. Uh, when I finished college, then I got beat up by a gang and shot at. Um, it's all true. Wow. So it three years. Oh, like, holy um, yeah, in a span of three years, I had a bunch of PTSD, whatever level stuff that I never really understood how to get over because in October of 2000, I was put on psych meds and I've been on, um, I mean, they start with lithium for bipolar disorder and then I have antidepressants and then ADHD meds and then I ended up with Lexapro for seven years, which I just got off of. So, How do you feel now like being off of it? I mean, I different. I feel like I did when I was 20 years old, when I was 19 or 20 years old, that, that weird sort of cloudy little unsure, um, feeling I've never felt this. I haven't felt this way as an adult. Um, you're like experiencing life again for the first yeah, time. Well, I'm experiencing life differently because with Lexapro, your emotions go from like four to six on a scale of one to 10. They don't go any further than that. Uh, no matter what happens, but now I have the full spectrum to work from. So without cannabis to which, which cannabis I believe helps lube psychological uh, pain uh, without cannabis to help do that, to help me separate from that. It's been, I mean, I've experienced joy for the first, for, for the first time in years, but uh, also experienced massive sadness too, uh, which has been have one without the other, right? The- yeah, you can't. And so I, I can't write. I've only written two things in two months, which has been really tough for me because I've been writing my entire life and I've essentially been, I've, I write by freaking myself. I've, I've trained myself through using psych meds and whatnot to, if I take my psych meds at night, when I wake up in, morning, in the morning, cause I'm scared cause I have PTSD. So you wake up in a little bit of fear. My psych meds tell me that's normal. And so I've trained myself to what I'll do is I'll get pissed and that, or that fear will, that I'll be scared. I'll get pissed and anger will kick in. And then when I'm on psych meds, I can use that psych meds as energy. Ah, interesting. That has propelled all my writing since 2006. My entire Twitter account, which I had almost 5,000 followers, um, all the angry conversations I got into. I took on the city of Portland when I wrote about gentrification last year, which was a mistake. 
Um, gentrification or writing about it? Gentr- well, uh, taking them on. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, it's like I've been living a slightly different life for 16 years. And cannabis has allowed me to open up and share that a little bit. Because all I know is how to share this stuff. It's what I've been doing for 16 years. I've been on public display as some sort of very mini celebrity, um, you know, celebrity like 10 people. And it's been a fantastic, interesting journey. So I don't know what I do now. I, I host a podcast. I, I saw that. Uh, burn it. Right? The burning bush. Yeah. We started recording those earlier this year because I was starting to, um, after I went to Arizona, hung out with some friends, I uh, was part of the Cultivation Classic and tried 99 different strains in one month nice. um, as part of a contest. And then I started to, that's when my, that's when I started to have, that's when I started to make memory connections. And I started to think of things. And my wife said I would start to laugh and then cry and then laugh and then cry and then laugh and then cry. And then I would uh, equate like uh, I hated, I hate Uggs and black pants because uh, I don't, I, I just hate, I mean, hate them. And I finally figured out it was because I hate uh, uh, sorority girls uh, because of, uh, what happened to the fraternity uh, 16 years ago. And all of a sudden I got this little thing in the back of my head, like a runner's high. And now I see it and I don't, they don't hurt. They don't, I don't hate them anymore. I mean, I still think Uggs are ugly, but I don't, uh, I don't have like a passionate, you know, anyway. Thing though, because the, it, it almost seems like the antidepressants rather than helping you cope with the root of the issue and getting over it and then getting off of them, they, and we all know this, if you're you know, in, in this biz, like mm-hmm. want you to keep taking them. Like yeah. that's all the racket is. It's like, come here and keep buying our pills and you'll feel meh, but you won't feel awful, but you won't feel great. You just be meh, but just keep buying them, you know, but with the cannabis, it's like it opened up new neural pathways and you were able to redo some of that and reexamine it and yep. then like move forward without having to continue taking the meds. That's yeah, awesome. it's sort of like, um, I mean, I would say, uh, you know, the, the psych meds is more of a box. Like you're in a box or like a four-wheeler. You're like, you're kind of stuck with whatever you can do in a four-wheeler. But the cannabis is much more like training wheels. Um, I, I was very surprised when I uh, smoked all 99 strains in a month because I was up to five or six a day every like three hours because I had started with three a day in the beginning because I'm stupid. I don't do math. Um, and I actually, I didn't actually consume a whole lot more quantity wise in the end of the month as I did at the beginning of the month, which really surprised me because if it had been any other drug, I would have been, you know, if I'd started drinking one beer a day, I'd have, been, I'd have had, you know, 50 by the end of the end of the month. Fentanyl patch today. And then by the time I'm done, I will have 50 on. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, it was about like two and a half grams. I would just have less of you know, less of every strain. And that worked out just fine. Um, cool though, Cause then not only are you getting to taste all these different awesome strains and I, I gotta say, I might get some hate for this, but Oregon, like you guys have way better weed than Washington. <laughs> I would say, I would say the, the, the baseline, the low end line in Oregon is really, really high. I would say for the high end stuff, it's pretty similar, but the low end, like there is not, is there's not, there's nothing below a seven in Oregon. I'm just going to see in the few shops around here. Yeah. Like, story I get to Portland now. I'm starting to, to get to more Vancouver. I guess that's Washington. But uh, what I've seen here, uh, the farms, like the bigger farms, it's just not that good. It starts out good, but then as the harvests go, like it gets gradually less good. <laughs> it's I don't know. 
but you were exposing your endocannabinoid system to probably the broadest spectrum of terpenes that you could in doing yes. 100 strains, which as people are starting to learn is a huge, huge thing. Uh, I've heard it described as uh, the, the cannabinoids are like the engine and the terpenes are like the, the car or the driver and they're taking the cannabinoids where they need to go to be most useful. And mm -hmm. you smoke the same weed and we see this in states that don't have medical or rec. Uh, you just get what your buddy has. And it, yeah, which is what I had in Arizona, which is, and so you you get used to that and you're not, you're not getting any more newer terpenes or anything. So mm -hmm. Kind of, get stuck in that, you know, that routine of, of a strain, but. Yeah. And as, as part of, um, of doing this, I mean, I, I also wrote for Potlander or for Willamette Week's Potlander. Uh, and I've, I've had the opportunity to try a bunch of one gram samples of so many different strains. So I think that's part of it too, is, is I've been accidentally, you know, dosing myself with the correct, um, amount, which is all of them, uh, to try to figure something out. But I, but because I've been forcing myself to try different stuff, it's been, it's been nice. I haven't been able to get the cheaper, you know, the half ounce for, for 70 bucks or whatever stuff, but I do all right. What else were you writing at? Like you, you had uh, cannabis columns or what, what was the, no, it was, I was just doing reviews of stuff, uh, for Potlander and, uh, Thrillist. And then right now I am working on my own podcast and I am going to start writing about, uh, cannabis and PTSD stuff because it's what I know. And, um, I got to practice and figure out how to write somewhere. So and that's, that's interesting, too, because when, when people hear PTSD, they generally associate it with veterans and stuff. But mm -hmm. people need to know, like, anybody can get PTSD. You just have to go through some traumatic shit, and there you go. You know, it's... Because well, everyone thinks combat, and I was like, guys, it's just traumatic. Uh, it doesn't have to be combat. And they're like, well, you never went through combat. I go, I got beat up and shot at. Is that is that combat? And they're like, oh, well, you do it. I'm like, yeah, I know. But it doesn't matter because the first one is what broke me. The first one was the, was actually the least bad one. Um, but that's what set the, you know, set the seed in there. Once that, once that kind of messes up and you don't have cannabis to try to figure that out. Cause I wasn't using it at the time. Cause I was drinking heavily. Cause I was an asshole in a fraternity. Big mistake. Don't join fraternities. Um, you know, God, I figured they would give me weed. You think in a fraternity, people would give you weed, right? Like, what's the point of joining? Sometimes like, some powder sprinkled into it. I don't know. I, I got kicked out of college before I made it that far. I should have left. Well, I should have left. I, I, obviously, there was, uh, there was some things that... Anyway. Um, yeah, so right now, I am really experimenting with what uh, different types of, um, of cannabis can do to help uh, what I essentially have is chronic stress because I have a lot of friends and family members, I believe that may benefit from some of this stuff. So I am trying to be as much of a guinea pig as possible, uh, experimenting with, um, different options like clear, like, you know, your favorite or your, uh, a favorite of yours. Um, hey, hey. For sure. <laughs> some distillate. Yeah. Yep. Some distillate, which is, oh, sorry, not clear, but distillate, my bad. Um, and then, uh, on top of that, uh, hemp based things, which I mix with distillate, which work really well. It's cheap too. Um, and infused oils have been, have been the, the kind of the best thing that I've really. Are you a fan of eating it or are you dabbing it or? I socially, I like to dab. Um, I like to dab with friends, uh, because I love the, I love the communal aspect of it. Um, 
because I like the quick high because you're with your friends, you get to laugh and joke and all that. Uh, but, but on my own, I eat it every morning and then I'm, you know, using va- uh, CO2 cartridges or flour from there. Nice. Vaping, vaping impossible, but burning, I'm not against joints or bongs or anything. I just, I run a lot. So uh, anytime I can reduce particulates is good for me. Keep the lungs healthy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, smoking a joint has all, has, I can feel it for the first mile. Like if I smoke a joint today and I'll run tomorrow, I can feel it for about the first mile. But after that, it's, it's not a problem at all. And I run 30, I run 37 miles a week. So it's, it's not really that bad. Is that a recent thing as well? Or the, the running thing? Um, in, let's see, the year before I got into cannabis, I started to, I retaught myself how to run using Vibram five fingers. Um, and I, now I can run 37 miles a week in them and some score running stuff. So I started off this year, I pulled my back so bad in September that I couldn't stand up straight for two weeks and I had to go to rehab for six weeks. And then January I started running two to three miles a day. Uh, and I started with 35 miles a month and now I'm at 37 miles a week. Um, and that is ever run 37 miles. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's just my, it's like, that's my meditation. Um, that's what I do to chill out for an hour. Um, and I get, and I get high before and I get high before and afterwards. Oh, oh, uh, dabbing big time before you run. Um, awesome. So much fun. Uh, one of the most fun things that I do. Yeah. You just get super stoned and then go run on a track or around or whatever. And it is, and then when your runner's high kicks in, it, then you get double stone because your runner's high is a mix of endorphin and, and, and the endocannabinoid system anyway. And it is, it is really, it's, it's a, you know, guys can't, guys can't really have spontaneous orgasms like women can, but it's the closest thing I think a dude can have to one, to just an orgasm just randomly without. You heard it here first, Tyler. Awesome. Men's dabs and then run. Men, it'll be like an orgasm. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been fantastic. So right now, uh, the coconut oil that I'm using is the leftovers, the vaped leftovers of the 99 strains that I had from cultivation classic. So, uh, and I have all those profiles, so I'm checking them out to see if I can, God, it'd be great to get some research in here and be like, Hey, this, this combination worked for me. You should try it. But, um, that's going to be tougher than endocannabinoid system is different, but you can, you can, after a while, kind of have an idea of Mm -hmm like where to guide people. And I think like planning that idea also has a little bearing on how they will experience it, especially have zero pretext or context for going into a strain, whatever the bud tender or they hear on a podcast or read on a website, like that's going to have an effect on it. It's an interesting drug in that, in that case, because it, it does, it means that like our bud tenders need to be more educated in what they're telling people. And I, I hear this so much in shops and there, there is, I don't want to name any shop in particular, but there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I know I'm sure it's not done out of, you know, uh, just trying to sell this particular strain. I just think that these bud tenders, they just don't know. They know what they read online and then that gets propagated. And until someone comes along with actual scientific evidence or research that shows, you know, which effects, which terpenes have on which cannabinoids and which receptors, which is a very difficult thing to, to nail down. Like it, it's all just going to be legend and lore. Yeah. Weren't, weren't medical, weren't Washington medical shops prohibited from talking about medical, possible medical uses? Uh, I, I'm not sure about the medical shops. I know the rec shops are. Okay. Or, or I don't know what that 
means as far as when they get their medical stuff signed up, if that then will allow them the training or something to make better informed medical type of recommendations. But yeah, that was one thing I kept hearing is uh, new people would come into a rec shop and they would ask for this advice in which, you know, patches or strains or tinctures would, would work best. Might help. Yeah. Specific medical ailment. And the, the bud tenders are like, well, I can't, tell you but i can tell you like my experience and then they would kind of do it oh so they can do that part okay that's what i thought they were prohibited from telling their experience too help you well it, i i don't know if it's actual law or not in my experience i've heard them you know mention here's what works for me in this case but okay. i can't tell you that this will you know cure your your ms or, or whatever ails you. well yeah of course we don't know that but yeah because yeah. i mean because i've because i was because i tend to be a little more educated than most, not all bud tenders, but most bud tenders when I, when I go in the store. So I'm curious if there's um, what information's out there, but I don't think there is any. I think I'm just more educated because I'm able to, to, to experiment more. Um, period. Sound to, And I, I had a great teacher once tell me that it's not science if you're not writing it down. So yeah. definitely, you know, keep track of this stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Since I moved here, I was reviewing, I just thought it was novel to be able to buy weed at a store. So I started reviewing strains I bought and I, I think I'm up to like 120 right now with like my subjective mm-hmm. experience. And I'm always sure to like put that in that this is just one stoner's view on this reality at this time and place. So yep. mileage will vary, but it, it is interesting to see like how, how far this has come. And I've, interviewed a gentleman named Max Montrose He's from the Tricom Institute in Colorado, and they're actually coming up with a system and a, a scientific method protocol of how to judge cannabis and mm. what strains versus phenotypes versus genotypes. Uh, he had another one in there, like phyto something types that I'd never heard before. But yeah, the interview is great. And I'm going to try and get down to Colorado to do this. They do all these classes. And I guess in Colorado, your shops can have this uh, certification. It's called TAG. Um, And the shops that are certified in it, their bud tenders went through the class. They passed the test just like, you know, any other business certification and now they are they're better able to give you the the info that you need on the material that you're getting you know whether it be extracts or or flour or whatever um but i if if it takes off i think that could definitely change the whole way because right now like stores up here i don't know if it's the same in oregon but they buy based on thc content which well because people because consumers are coming and asking by based on thc content they, they just, Which is wrong. No way to quantify it yeah. unless this system like works out or someone else comes yeah. up with another way to do that. But it, it's it's very involved. Like it's you wouldn't think just from being stoners from back in the day that like oh my god, there's like a whole science here, which is awesome. A lot of science. We're scientists almost. <laughs> well, no, most of them. I, I, most of them are. I mean, most of the of the of the producers certainly are. Any of the processors, sorry, product processors are certainly scientists. I mean. Just because you're just because you started in your garage, I mean, a lot of things start in the garage, right? right. Or your backyard, same thing. Yep. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. the um, I saw the Chalice Farms uh, by the airport here uh, has their processing facility in the same building as their dispensary up there, so you can actually look through and you can see where their um, 
their CO2 extracts are being uh, concentrate. Cool. CO2, wait, CO2 concentrate or extract? Uh, see, well, it's all extracted, but then you have to. Yeah, but Oregon yeah. has different um, rule. I think I think Oregon classifies it as an extract because rosin's a con- rosin and hash are concentrates, and CO2 is an extract. Okay. I, yeah. Anyway, or Oregon legally in Oregon, I'm saying not. I'm not saying as far as you the industry first, and then what you have is oil with uh, solvent in it. So once you have that extract, you have to concentrate your extract down, and that's where your concentrate comes from, yeah. as I understand. But okay. different regions, different different words. <laughs> so what are you doing now? You you mentioned the podcast. Tell me mm-hmm. more about that. It's who hosts it? It's you and a buddy of yours. Yeah, uh, Burning Bush Podcast. It is uh, a weekly podcast hosted by me and Casey Swain, who is another uh, cannabis writer, and he actually also works at a dispensary at Bridge City Collective. Uh, we have been working on Potlander stuff together for a year and a half now, and we decided a couple months ago is to kind of sit down and record our conversations of us talking about our stories or discussing uh, what we thought about what cannabis was working for us because I started to notice that I was changing. <laughs> you know, things were happening to me. I was starting to have lose weight and, and my book um, dropped. Yeah. I feel better. And yeah, it was really a second puberty. I mean, I know that's joking, but I, lo- I got, a, I got way skinnier and I felt better about myself. So yeah, it was sort of like a second puberty. And so we started, we started recording all these, um, and it's just us going back and forth about whatever we can think of that's going on in Oregon cannabis and me, and then me kind of talking more about my experiments because Casey doesn't have as much time to experiment as I do. So it's him talking about industry stuff and me talking about personal experiments. And it's been really fun so far. That's awesome. You guys have three or four episodes out? How many? Six, six episodes. Uh, I have a big, like an hour long one coming up next week. And then uh, I think we have something like 12 more that have been recorded. So, um, ah, you're an episode hoarder, huh? Oh, yeah. We, yeah. I had, because of my uh, experience last year in writing about the gentrification thing, and then I tweeted about cyclists and got my client uh, list destroyed uh, by Portland activists, uh, the same ones that came after me for the, for the first one. Um, I was a little hesitant to 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 uh, launch something in Portland because of uh, I wasn't able to handle it. And then once I started to figure out my PTSD stuff, I was able to then understand and cope. And that's why I was able to launch it. But yeah, so that's why I hoarded. I know that's a weird kind of sad thing, but it's totally true. It's why I did that. No, no, it makes sense. It's better than just me doing it because I'm lazy. You know, <laughs> at least you had a reason. Well, I was terrified. I don't know if that's a really great reason, but it was true. Messed up though. Like you guys should be a lot nicer to Tyler. He's a cool kid. <laughs> Portland. Got a problem? It's it, there's a lot of there's a lot of circumstances that made. I was just I was one part of it. No, anyway, but the but the cannabis has been absolutely fantastic. So I don't really care about the other stuff now. Get exactly shit. right. That's you. You pick the one thing that makes yeah. you happy, and you focus in on that, and yeah. just do it. Yeah, it's been really cool. That's cool. Tell me about some experiments. Uh, experiments. Uh, we've been eating, uh, eating food, eating infused food. I, uh, I, for two days in May, which coincided with the, the, the time I lost all the weight. Um, I, um, ate six, uh, meals that had at least a hundred some milligrams of THC in every meal. Uh, so there was nothing that I didn't eat. And this was just my, and that was in addition to my normal regular cannabis intake. So, um, 
I was really, really, really kind of uncomfortably stoned for 48 hours straight. And uh, it reset my body. I know that sounds weird. I know you're going to be like, oh, that guy's strange and creepy. But that's when I started losing all the weight. And all of a sudden, I started to get more energy. Um, I started to have my mind. I, that's when I started making all those connections with the old things that I had done that didn't make sense in my mind or why I'd freaked out. Um, yeah. Uh, the reset makes a lot of sense. Actually. I, I went through a, an Ibogaine trip, uh, quite a, a few years ago and that's kind of the best way I can describe it. Like I had an opiate issue for like 10 years and rehabs weren't working and I just mm-hmm. found this Ibogaine clinic in Mexico. So I was like, all right, one last shot, you know, let's see what happens before I end up killing myself here. And uh, it was, it was like a complete reset. Or a uh, 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 reboot, not reset, reboot. Reboot's yeah. a good way to say it, yeah. And it, it just like re-cleanses your system. Mm-hmm. It disconnects mm-hmm. your, your brain from your feels. And so you're not like wanting to kill yourself because of withdrawals, but it's showing you like all the bits and pieces in your life that you went wrong to get yourself where you were. And it was a weird, like I've done most of the plant teacher medicines before, but I'd never done this one. And it it was the most intense experience I've ever had. It was 24 hours of like being paralyzed basically because it's a disassociative. So that's why you don't feel the withdrawals. You're disconnected from all of it. But then it's like you're sitting in this movie theater whenever you close your eyes and it shows you all the shit that you messed up. And if you don't deal with it in a way that pleases this plant teacher, I know this sounds so crazy. You got to try it. I'm a, I, I want to now. <laughs> we'll go to Mexico. Uh, if you don't deal with it in the way that pleases this, this spirit teacher, that it will, it's like, all right, that's fine. We'll, we'll set this aside, but we will be back to it believe that we'll be back and it'll show you something else and you'll deal with that and it'll keep coming back to the 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 set of things that you're not dealing with until you deal with it and it helps you deal with it by like and i don't know scientifically but it's doing something in your brain with these new pathways that it's opening up that allows you to see that part of your life from a different perspective and then deal with it and then you come out and you're like whoa (laughs) what What was it called again ibogaine I'm okay. All right. Cause I, cause I watched the ayahuasca stuff and that sounds it, it's a trip to me like ayahuasca and like mm-hmm. and they're all tryptamines DMT uh, also a tryptamine um, DMT is like on the very, very light end of the spectrum as far as uh, duration intensity. It's more than, than your psilocybin um, about the same as your ayahuasca, but less, you know, it's like a 15 minute trip, but it might mm-hmm. be an hour cause it is so intense. And then your ayahuasca is obviously it's it's DMT with uh, uh, MAOI, so that it's orally active. The uh, liver produces uh, these monoamine oxidase, and that metabolizes it before it gets to your brain. So you take the MAOI to inhibit that, and then you have a six-hour DMT trip, basically. Oh. And then ibogaine is like the other side of that spectrum, where you eat like two of these uh, capsules that the doctor there prepared. And it's a 24 hour, like you're in it for the duration. There's nothing mm. better be comfortable and not somewhere where you'll need to walk around. And I, and I don't, I do want to go back and try it again. Um, 
like not recreationally, but more meditationally and yeah, focused yeah. experience than like when it's trying to detox you. I, I'm kind of curious what it would show oh. if you were there to just be like, Hey, show me some shit. You know, I'm, I'm not, I don't need to detox or anything, but I'm curious what else you have to show me. That's, that's interesting you say that. Cause I've noticed a difference between, uh, cause when I did my, um, my 48 hour thing, which I started to, what in uh, similar to you say you were trying to deal with stuff is what I had is I had emotions or feelings that I could then connect to different things that happened in my life. And then all of a sudden I realized they were connected by this emotion and they were actually started by this, this thing, not, and they really had nothing to do with each other. They were connected by emotion, not by anything important. Anyway. Uh, but I was still on Lexapro at the time. Um, so I might, and that's one of the things that when I started to get upset, I actually got, I had what essentially were temper tantrums, but they were really episodes or, or whatever um, of being stuck because I couldn't figure out where to go because the Lexpro was in my way. Uh, I haven't actually taken, well, yes, I have. And since I've, since then I've actually taken a lot more cannabis um, in this, but not over the same, not over the same amount of time. And it's been a different high for me. It's been scarier. More. Um, yeah. Way more intense now because I don't have that emotional. I mean, talking about you, you're talking about uh, your experience, 24 hours of you have to be in it. Um, I've noticed that I, I need to, and fortunately I've been in a much better mood lately, so it's been easier, but, uh, I really need to be in a good mood in order to get really high now, or I won't like it, uh, which is good and bad because that means I'm sort of, sort of seeing stuff that I need to confront. Um, and I can't really run away from it anymore. And that's, um, an interesting, uh, an interesting progression, um, unintentional progression. Then it becomes a reward system. So. Mm-hmm. I can be in a good mood. I'm going to get stoned and be in a great mood. Mm-hmm. But if I'm a grumpy Gus, then, you know, I'm just going to sit here and be pissed. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it doesn't, it doesn't change my mood a whole lot. I've noticed it just, uh, it really, it, t- it takes away the anxiety. So whatever mood I'm in, it just makes that whatever it was going to be. Right. Yeah. So. so you were uh, recently at the Indo Expo in Portland. Uh, I tried to catch up with you then, but we we're both just all over the place. And then, uh, had to yes. take off. Do you want to just mention like any anything you saw there that was awesome or not awesome or just your uh, a quick experience of it? The the expos are always the expos that are in the Portland uh, the Portland Expo Center up at the end of the uh, of the uh, yellow line or blue line or whatever. I don't know. It's the north northernmost train in Portland, so it feels like the furthest north in Portland I can go because I don't like to drive. Um, I, I will, but I don't like it. Um, they're always so not cannabis friendly because they're, you know, they're in the middle of this professional place and they're all, and they're obviously like, like low overhead, small businesses um, or like small profit, small businesses. Cause they're none of their booths or all that. Not it's, I don't know um, what I did see, which stood out, which, which looks very funny against the rest of the, of the, of the businesses there is the, a massive amount of industrial or commercial um, vendors that are looking to get into, uh, you know, warehousing and security and energy consumption. And I think that um, it's nice to see it so grown up because cannabis fairs are no longer just about hemp products and, you know, stuff that people made when they were high. Um, it's really expensive and really advanced now that I don't think that even industry people who are going in, unless they're seriously into the industry, they're not, there's nothing really to see much anymore, which is a good, which I think is a good thing in some ways. 
we're getting past that point. Of, yeah, we're getting past the stigma and all that stuff. When we have investment money, we're going to bring our biggest, flashiest, most worthless machine and try and sucker you into buying it because you have yeah. money. It's yeah. it is the, when I first noticed that at a Canacon, I think it was either last year or two years ago. But we started seeing like larger companies that have been in like the chemistry industry uh, for a long time, but now they know. Uh, people are using their equipment in in the cannabis industry, so they better you know get someone and get more of that to be used. And it's it's a bubble. It is a bit, and it's really weird. These these seniors industries, and I know that you know. I mean, I know that not not in the alcohol industry drinks alcohol, but I ha- it's weird to see all these people at cannabis stuff and have obviously never touched cannabis or have ever been around someone who's used cannabis or probably voted against cannabis. You know, what the hell? Me and my buddy were talking about that when we were running the medical lab and uh, we're starting to see people around that didn't smoke and smoke. And we were like, you know what? Given up many jobs because of drug tests. I straight up just well, I will refuse just on principle. I won't. I've never. That's why I don't take a test. You're not going to pass. And it just like I, it's stupid. I'm not going to piss in a cup to make myself employable to you. And so we were thinking like we need to almost do the same thing in the cannabis industry now because everybody wants in. It's like no, this is ours. You take a drug test, and if you don't have weed in your system, sorry, get out of here. Go find yeah. your own. Like we have worked so hard and people have been put in jail and killed. And I mean, all of this nonsense, unnecessary nonsense so that we have what we have now. And now you want in on it because you see dollar signs all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, I get, you know, I get capitalism. I get all that. I get there's nothing to do. They're not doing anything illegal, but at least try. I mean, at least hire someone who knows what they're talking, like hire some, teach them your product and then hire someone who knows cannabis and your product and they and then then, we, then that's it one person i only i don't need the whole company to get stoned one person would be enough but it's never it's not even that it's just weird and so i'll invite people to a cannabis club uh to interview them because i did that for a long time that was sort of my my litmus test if they wouldn't come to a cannabis club then okay um and people decline that a lot and i don't and they don't have to use when they get there i don't care about that um it's just it's just weird to see it not happening yeah Especially, and I mean, it's, it's weed. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, You know, it's been, been, yeah, it's odd to see. I mean, I guess people are worried about driving, which. (sighs) Can I, I'll tell you, I, I smoke weed all day, every day and drive around better than all these other assholes out here chasing fucking Pokemon in the goddamn highway. I'll tell you what, every traffic jam I see now, it's a damn Pikachu out in the road. Every accident. It's a damn Pikachu out there. They're just trying to catch him. I'm here just trying to, you know, keep my my high happy, keep my endocannabinoid system primed. That's all. But yeah, I'm not. I'm trying to find. Not everyone can do that, and you need to know. But it is not like alcohol. It's not. not. It will not impair you, and you can't pull people over because you smell weed and then give them a blood test and be like, Oh, well, sorry, you're over your nanogram per milliliter of, of THC blood content. You're going to jail. It's like, no. Pre- yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure there's some sort of, of, of observable behaviors that, 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 you know, you can get you pulled over any of those things. I get that. But, um, I story, I thought, 
for like for a year when I first started uh, using Oregon medical weed in 2015, like using exclusively, I would go to the cannabis club or go somewhere and get high. And then I'd actually wait about an hour or so to come down. I'd drink some water and normally drive home. So I'm not like trying to trying to totally sober up, but whatever. And I would squint and I'm like, oh shit, you know, I'm a fucking stoner. I can't see like this sucks. So I stopped driving for a while at night just because I was scared about, I didn't want to worry about it. So then I got glasses. Turns out it was my glasses. I just couldn't see. It was my eyes. I have 20, I have a, I have astigmatism. I have astigmatism. So my eyes aren't balanced and it really, it really affects depth perception at night. So and and now I have glasses. I'm fine. Oh man. That's amazing. Totally fine. Yep. Yep. I thought I was, I thought I was squinting. You know, you're all squinting and like, I can't see it. No, turned out I just can't see. Just missed nothing to do. I just needed glasses. Shit. Yep, just need glasses. Nothing to do with cannabis. Thought it was really funny. Oh, that's amazing. But yeah. and again, uh, new people to the cannabis system and their endocannabinoid system. Like you need to just know thyself, and mm-hmm. if you know you're the kind of person that's gonna get you know unable to have motor skills or something. Yeah. Know that, and don't put yourself in the position that you're going to. Uh, get in trouble. I used to deliver water for a living. So I drove all day, every day by myself, carrying five gallon jugs of water up and down stairs and all that shit. And like cannabis got me through that job, you know, like, there wasn't a day that I wasn't smoking in the work truck, just being happy. And that's when I kind of started smoking spliffs. Cause some of the people were like, Hey, kind of smell like weed. We don't care, but maybe some of our, our clients do. And I was like, all right, I, that's cool. Yeah. So spliffs way better for it, way worse for it. That's hilarious. Well, yeah. Worse uh, for you yeah. Wise, but better for me job wise. Just, yeah. That's interesting. Good old Montana. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah. Arizona is about, is a, isn't as bad as Montana, but it's, I think it's still felony possession. So it's well, still not. And it had medical in 04 and then there was. All- they just they recently did something yeah. to it. Then they changed it. It was repeal in disguise and it, it cut it down from like 30,000 patients to like 3,000 patients. Uh, and now they just had a signature gathering uh, drive and they have um, the MTCIA, it's Montana Cannabis Industry Association. They are the ones that hired a consulting company to actually get their medical bill on the ballot. Uh, there was a push for rec, but it was more grassroots, so they didn't get the signatures they needed. Uh, and then there was one gentleman, he owns a used car dealership in Billings, Montana. And if you look at the the SOS site, as far as donations, donors uh, to the bills, you look at his bill and it's basically, he is trying to get rid of medical marijuana in Montana completely under the guise of getting rid of meth and heroin in Montana, which is weird because those are not schedule one uh, substances or method. Um, So he was asked on the radio, like, well, your bill would basically allow meth in Montana. He's like, Oh, well, I'll have to go back and, and look at that. And so like, even in all of that nonsense, he didn't come close. He was about 4,000 signatures short. So he was going to legalize, so he was going to illegalize schedule one, but legalize schedule two. Yeah. Something. The bill said that any substance federally illegal will remain completely legal in Montana. Uh, But he was telling people when he was collecting signatures that it was to keep meth and heroin out of Montana because Montana has a large meth and heroin problem. So people hear 
that. And they're like, oh, I'll sign it. What they didn't realize is that, no, all it does is gets rid of the medical marijuana program. Yeah. He spent, you look at the donation sheets, top five donors. He was number one at $99,000. The number two person donated $1,500. The number three, four, and five people in the top donations to this cause, 50 bucks. Wow. $99,000, 1500 $50. You guys spent $99,000 trying to get rid of medical marijuana? Failed. And this is the third time he's failed. So then he goes back and he says, wait, there's 8,000 signatures here, 4,000 of which got lost somehow. And the other ones, we think they are valid. So he's making them like recount all of this. and. Jesus. So my question is, like, how much money does 4,000 signatures cost? Because it almost seems like he's just going to be like, here. Cost $25,000 signature is what? There you go. $2,500 signature. There you go. If the, the car dealership's up for sale next month, you know why. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Jesus. But, and one person, just a very loud voice, and using those used car salesmen, kind of social engineering, not scams, techniques, let's call them. They're Depend- cons. They're cons. They're con words. You're manipulating people. We have a we have a we have a presidential candidate that's, that's doing it very well. All social engineering and yeah, yeah. It's not dumb. They're not stupid. No. It's not. It's not no. idiocy. People keep saying they're like, oh, this guy's such an idiot. Cannabis is good for you. It's not healthy. It's like you guys. He knows that. He's not dumb. Like yeah. he, he's playing the game perfect. Yeah. There's something he wants and he's trying to get it. And that's well, it. I did some research on this, and apparently when Medical first started in Montana, he had some buildings, and he was going to lease them out to a dispensary and a grow. But in his lease, he wanted, like, a ridiculous amount of money based on, like, sales or something. Oh, yeah. The guy was like, I'm not doing that. Either be in the business or rent me the space so I can be in the business. I'm not going to give you rent and pay you based on my product, like that's ridiculous. So the deal didn't go through. And after that, like he's had this hard on for the cannabis industry in Montana ever since. And it's, it sucks because there are a lot of legitimate people that are, if this doesn't go through, which I, I'm sure it will again, but then he'll be back and it, it'll never end, you know? But there's a lot of people that are, are scared out of their mind. They're losing their access because the, the, the new rule changes until the November vote happens say that every provider can only have three people now. And if they are one of those people, then they can only have two. And if you want to grow for yourself, you have to own your house or you have to have like this weird expressed consent form signed by the landlord. And no landlord's going to sign that shit because it's, it, it's their liability. They would just as soon rent to someone who's not going to grow mm-hmm. or something. So I don't know. It's a mess, man. But it, it's sad to see that in 2016 with all of this, knowledge like there's still that kind of shit happening well yeah i mean and 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 that's something i figured out too it was never about knowledge it was never about any of that stuff it was always about power over someone or existing you know keeping the existing power structure uh, uh, stable it, it that's it was never about any dangers because i'm trying to find them and i'm literally trying to Right, I'm trying to, to overdose. Like I wrote an article about overdosing. It was my first stories. I took a hundred milligram squib and ate the whole thing, as a you know, as a as a fairly novice medical user, as a as an experienced rec user, but novice medical. hundred milligrams is a lot. Um, now it's not, but it was then. And I was fine. I had a nice nap and woke up and felt 
awesome. I mean, I didn't mean to nap, but first thing that can happen to you that that was definitely not that was definitely unlike the first time I got drunk off of like vodka where I was sick for three days. Right. Alcohol poisoning. Have you ever heard of poisoning? Yeah. Alcohol alcohol poisoning happens every time. It just depends on how much it how much it poisons you. How hospitalized you need to be. Yeah, I love how we say that. I, I, now that I understand what alcohol does and all that, they say alcohol poison. And I'm like, well, you mean you poisoned him so much he couldn't recover on his own. He has to go to hospital stuff because he usually poisons himself just enough where he can recover. We don't call it poisoning. Poisoning is such a dirty, strong word. Yeah. We call it getting drunk. Yeah. Um, poison, man. And that shit is terrible. Uh, that's another weird thing. I used to write about cider. Um I now get drunk off like four and a half ounces. I don't drink at all, so I, I can appreciate that. I, I don't I don't think I like alcohol. I may not like it because I wasn't a huge fan of it as a kid, uh, but I didn't have access to weed because of uh, – oh, yeah, because I got a DUI because I'm in uh, various drinking problems. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I like alcohol at all. It's weird. Friends too that have gotten in trouble and then were unable to smoke weed because mm-hmm. of the trouble – which mm-hmm. in turn created more trouble because they couldn't smoke weed, right? Like it's this weird never ending cycle of being in the system. And it's, it was never designed for people's good will benefits, health, any of that in mind. It was simply a psyops tool for these people to push their agendas and keep their jobs. Mr. Harry Anslinger and ever get arrested in college for a possible anything drunken related. Do not answer the questions honestly, because they will nail you as a problem, anything. And it, yeah, it was a terrible experience. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Well, shit, man. I appreciate the time. You got anything else? Thank you. Mention uh, the the websites definitely, and anywhere uh, people can find. Yeah, you. I'm on tdhurst.com, uh, burningbushpodcast.com. Uh, sometimes in Willamette Week. Right now, I am really trying to focus on the podcast stuff, trying to get all that uh, that stuff out because I want to start writing about PTSD and cannabis and how it can help people uh, through uh, uh, with chronic stress, which I think will help. Everyone. Awesome. I've been talking at uh, some of these expos to the Grow for Vets groups. Uh, yep. Washington, there's one in Oregon. Um, they are really awesome people. So I, I, you probably already know about them, but they'd be uh, awesome to have on the on the show. Yeah, there, there's a there's a bunch of of, of a good uh, vets programs, and Grow for Vets is one of them. So definitely, yeah. lots right. of going on. You going to Hempfest this weekend? This come? I do not. I do not know. I have a uh, actually. Yeah. Yes, I am. Yes, yes, I am because I have an event on Saturday afternoon that I'm going to be in the same town for. So yes, I am. Yes. Well, we. You there then? I will. I will text you when I'm there. Excellent. Well, cool. hey, Tyler, man, it's been awesome. I appreciate the the conversation. Thank you, Matt. We'll direct everyone to your podcast, and maybe uh, you have some time. Maybe I'll come on the podcast, and we'll do a little hot box burning bush action. We will do that. Awesome, man. All right, Tyler Hurst, tdhurst.com. Uh, he's on Instagram and the Twitters. I think he might might not be on Twitter anymore. But yeah, awesome kid. I uh, met him, like I said, at the, the Cannabis Terpene Dinner there in Nehalem. So uh, check that out. Hotboxpodcast.com, of course, for all of this stuff here. I've uh, been covering lots of uh, expos and conferences and stuff for the Cannabis Journal. So you can check out my new day job as the managing operations editor at the Cannabis Journal, CannabisJournal.com. Uh, so check that out. Support the magazine. And uh, yeah, support us in the process.
stuffstonerslike.com still got some reviews up there. Going to get through some of this backlog uh, and get some more weed to review. Hopefully going to get some more organ buds because, of course, it is always nice seeing what other states are doing uh, with their cannabis. So, yeah, other than that, enjoy all of these interviews we've been having. And uh, if you have anyone in mind or you yourself want to come on and talk about what it's like living in a shitty prohibitionist state or maybe you live in a not shitty non-prohibitionist state, uh, get a hold of me, info at hotboxpodcast.com. So thanks for listening. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, at The Jam Hole. Uh, and yeah, we'll talk to you next time. Have a great day. If you like you like this is where you need to be. If you like weed, this is where you need to be. Thank you for listening to the Hot Box Podcast.